Welcome to the Jeff Gross Podcast. This episode is brought to you in partnership with Party Poker. Go to PartyPoker.com to play tournaments, cash games, and improve your poker game. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to hear all of my future episodes. Hi, I'm Derek Stevens, owner and chief executive officer of Circus Sports, home of the world's largest sports book, and now the largest football contest guarantee in history. We've got $10 million on the line between our two contests. Circa Millions has $4 million in guarantees, including a million in quarterly payouts. The Circus Survivor has a $6 million guarantee. The one thing at Circus Sports, 100% payback, no rake. You enter in Vegas, play from anywhere. Visit CircusSports.com for more info. Must be 21 or older and in Nevada to legally enter. Circus Sports encourages responsible gaming. All rights reserved. What's the oldest someone will pop on tour? Because, you know, that's like, uh, it just seems like generally in the NBA, NFL, mostly sports, like there's not really guys that are like 25 or 30 or 35 that just like come out of nowhere and start playing professional. Is this something that happens in golf or, or what age would you say that most people enter into their professional career? Is, is it possible for people, someone to come on at 30 or 35 for the first time? And are people continually getting better? right throughout like when they, is there a guy who's like 25 out there right now that hasn't made it and he works hard and you know catches heat like how does that kind of process work and, and are the majority just coming up from the beginning when they're 18 19 20 or out of college uh you know how does that work in terms of coming on to the tour i think obviously when you start young they're getting younger now but uh college college over here in the u.s they do a great job with their athletes and players are more professional more mature early on that doesn't always mean that they're going to be great golfers early in their career like um for me i started off really well but i actually don't think i'm at my best yet until probably i'm going to be unfortunately better when i'm older i thought i was going to be great when i was 20 um but i'm the type of guy that will be great when i'm 33 34 35 and then 10 years whereas people like tiger woods uh, you know the michael phelps of of sport and all those types of guys they tend to come through very early and continue to be great for 10 to 15 years Usually golfers have a 15-year spell where they play great. And, you know, you can see that in golf guys coming through at 22, 23. They'll probably be good for 15 years. But when they reach that 15-year spell, they tend to sort of drop off. Um, but you have had people come through. You know, VJ Singh was a prime example. I think he won 10 times on tour in one year at 44. You know, it can happen. And it is a sport that happens, you know, more people get better when they're older rather than, you know, in a lot of athlete sports, they get past, you know, 29, 30, they're, they're sort of towards the end of their career. And, and how, how do you decide your scheduling for the year? Do you, do you map it out? Like I'm definitely playing these events, obviously the majors you want to get in and, and qualify and be a part of, but how do you kind of decide? Cause it's similar also to poker where there's so many places to play, right? Every weekend you're in Idaho right now, there's sometimes like their European side and, and then the, the U.S. side, and there's a lot of events similar to poker. There's stuff going on, you know, out of COVID times. There's events in Europe. There's events in, you know, all over, online, different kind of things you can do. So how do you actually decide what to play? And, and how does someone help you with that? Or do you just sort of select your own schedule? I've got my own management team. I think we call them agent agents over here in the U.S. We call them management in the, uh, in the U.K., but they help. But you know which the tournaments are, you know. If you just go, well, the, the first – this is number one, and then it just goes down and down and down. And basically, whatever one you can play in the highest ranked tournament that week, you you just basically put yourself forward and you can get in. Or if you don't, you just play the one just slightly down. And everyone decides what they want to play. You know, it changes all the time. Uh, I'm sure it's the same poker. You know, you have a bit of a run and you think, you know what, I'm going to continue to play, or actually, I need a bit of a break and I'm going to come away from it and I'm going to come back in a few weeks' time. That's basically what we do in golf is 
we normally have periods of the year where we play well. I play better towards the end of the year for some reason, whereas other guys play better at the beginning of the season and they then take big gaps. And Adam's got a prime example of he, he plays like once a month, you know, like he plays about 12 or 15 times a year and that's it. Whereas I would have played 20. Adam Scott was like, he just recently just played and uh, he's, done, he's done a very good, he's a very like world-class player, well-known in the golf, in the golf yeah, community. Yeah, I know that name. Yeah. And um, he's unfortunately very, very good looking lad. So most guys always want to look like Adam Scott, you know, because he's got a great swing. He's a good looking guy and we all just want to be Adam. But he's a prime example of someone that doesn't want to play a lot and has a lot of time off. Whereas I've played a lot. I've played 26 times this year. So I don't know what week this is the in the year but you can tell I haven't had many weeks off because I felt like I haven't been able to so now it's coming towards the end of the season and things are already sort of settled down then I can have some time to myself I can go home to the UK I can do things that I enjoy doing which can be you know cars and uh, friends and having good times and having house parties doing all those types of things whereas the middle of the season all the way through from January to now it's just been full on and you're from, uh, it's, is, is my pronouncer right? Wellwyn Garden City in England. Where is that located? Is that is that right? Is that is that sort of like yeah, Wellwyn or where? Wellwyn. Wellwyn Garden City. Yeah, it's like 25 miles north of the centre. So whenever I'm over here, I just say I'm from London. It's just so much easier. But, um, yeah, it's just a little sort of it's a small city up just north of London. And and are you as a, as I guess a hobby or one of the things you do on the side too? Are you you're kind of into fixing up homes or real estate stuff or what? What exactly is your relation uh, with that? And and I guess I'll parlay that question. And with Dave and NFM Lending, how did you get hooked up and, and have them as one of your title sponsors? Yeah, so that, we'll go to the David thing. Basically, David and I I moved to Miami um, back in 2018, and I was sort of ranked lower than I've ever been, and I wasn't able to get in the big tournaments and. I had two or three months where I just wanted to be like, right, hot weather, UK weather's terrible, sort of January, February, March time. I'll go to Miami, I'll work with a coach. And I got introduced to David and, you know, the first two holes were very like, how what you do? Like, oh, I see you're over here. You know, it was very business-like. And then we got to the third hole and, and we were talking about some, some private stuff and then we just really clicked. And then it was just like, right, okay, we're going to get on great. And David's been great for me uh, this last year, you know, being a, my title sponsor really and um supporting me the way he has on and off the golf course has been great um and what was the other question there jeff we were going to i believe uh, you were in, yeah and are fixing up homes kind of thing and and uh yeah with homes so basically a lot of my sponsorship money goes into a limited company and you can't ever really use that so what we decided to do is to sort of move that money into a property company and my brother is very good at handy work. You know, he's, he's very good at management side of things. And he was the one that pushed me to kind of use that money more wisely. And me and him basically run a property company back in the UK where we um, flip homes, you know, where we sell them, you know, we buy them when they're really bad and, and then and then we do them up and then we sell them on if the, if the market is right. Or, you know, we look for apartments or flats of sorts and we use, you know, train stations and all that sort of thing to to know where the best places are to then maybe um you know remortgage you know buy them do them up remortgage them and then you know rent them out so that's kind of a little thing we do on the side so it's kind of nice to wake up in the morning the uk is usually five hours ahead when i'm in florida and uh we just talk about the next property or what's going on with the 
the other property that we do and it it just sort of takes your mind away from from my job which is obviously golf and and it's interesting you say about picking the the tournament you're going to play or whatnot because this also happens a lot let's just take las vegas during the world series during the summer usually this year it's october november but there's a lot of events right even within the same city so like you know you could play a world series event for like a 5k buy-in on one day but there might be one at the venetian for 2k or 1k and like so you got to think about you know all these factors right like the competition you you want to win the most prestigious like say the pga tour but maybe on a particular week or you play somewhere else where the competition is going to be a little bit uh less tough in theory um you know or like so how do you decide that like is that is that because that's got to be interesting if you're like going to go to the second best tournament but win it you would take that over finishing x x number right in the in that pga of the week is that true or like how would you kind of calibrate the two to decide like what would would be better you would take if you could win every week on the next best tour you would do that right but like it doesn't you know it doesn't work like that how do you actually do that you you would you would because you obviously need your confidence you know it'd be like like you said buying in at five thousand i'm going to go over to the one and two so i'm going to build up into the world series bit because i feel like i need some confidence i need to get some flow i need to get my game and sometimes we all go through those dips in golf where we would be like, well, I know I can, I know I can play this this tournament here, but I'm not feeling ready, so I'm going to take a week off. Or actually, I'm going to go back to Europe and I'm going to play this tournament because the next three weeks are going to be the Scottish Open and then the British Open. So I might as well go over there early, not maybe stress about playing Quail Hollow and it's a tough course and I don't play very well there. You know, it's that type of thing. So you just got to manage your own self and your game. So my game would be different to somebody else's game. And, you know, my strengths will suit certain courses and manage what's coming in the few weeks ahead. So is it going to be in Europe? If so, I might go there early to get my time zone back. You know, just little things like that. Just management. And, and is it also true because in poker, you know, there's there's different sites. There's there's a party poker, which is who I represent. There's others. There's like four or five major sites. And a lot of them sponsor players. You get a salary. They pay part of your you know, entries, all this stuff. And in golf, you know, like you mentioned, NFM Lending's a sponsor. I think you, you have some other you do some other work with sponsors. You have a, an agent and management team. What point does that break in once you're you say like top twenty five hundred? You're technically pro or you're on the tour. But wh- where is it where? Because I think it's uh, something I didn't understand. Silverman was recently explaining this a bit more to me how, you know, most golfers on the tour plane have to actually put up their own entries and that kind of stuff, right? So at what point does it become where you're not putting your own money up and you have sponsors? And is there an actual ranking number or is that even like some people might be marketable and, and get, get you know, can you explain that process? Like when do you actually get sponsors and what, how, what percentage of the tour has uh, sponsors and what they can kind of vary the size of a deal? Yeah, so basically everybody can get a sponsor. You know, I could get a spot. You know, anyone could get a sponsor and just. But you basically get bidded. You know, like you go to a company and you just say, "Look, this is my this is my CV. This is what I'm doing. This is the tournaments I'm playing in. This is the this is the amount of TV coverage I'm really going to expect to get. Would you be willing to pay me? You know, helping me out because I've got to travel. Um, I think a lot of people see that the financial side of things incoming on golf is great, but they forget about what's going out. And it's, that's about your management team getting the best deal for you possible so that that sponsor, sponsorship money can basically cover your expenses during the year. Because my expenses during the year can range between 100000 and $300,000. You know, that's a lot of outgoings. But 
you know, hopefully that your sponsors can cover that and more so that if you do go through these dips where you might miss weekends where you don't get any money and they, they just cover you, you know, they keep you afloat, they don't keep you from panicking that you can't maybe get to another tournament. So it does help the more marketable you are, then you get more money. And obviously the more tournaments you've won, um, the more status you have, then it becomes easier to get, obviously, um, bigger income. Makes makes a lot of sense. And, and tell me a bit about some of these wins. It seems like this, I think you've won twice, the Portugal Masters, or you've won it maybe two times. Like what, what is, uh, tell me about that tournament. What is a, how many, how many, I guess not entrants, because it's usually around the same, right? Like what was a prize, put the purses on those. And what was that like to actually win uh, a major, I guess, or not, well, what do you call it? It's a real professional win. It's on the tour win. It's not one of the four majors, but it, it is a real win. Could you explain what that feeling was like to win your first and then second? And what, what about that event is uh, that particular place you just just to win? Because it seems yeah. crazy to win one. Yeah, so it's funny. That I'm the only person that won that twice. But the um, the first time I won it, I was, I was playing a tournament and I was asking a pro. I just turned professional and I asked the pro, I said, what's the best week of the year to play? And he said, oh, the Portugal tournament's really good. You know, a lot of the wives can go, a lot of the family can go, and they enjoy the week, the weather's good, the course is nice. So I was like, oh, okay, cool. I won that tournament, like, the next week. And I was like, oh, well, this is good venue for me. And um, the prize fund then was pretty good. I think it was just, you know, it was about $600,000 or something, you know, for the first prize. And then um, I'd gone from not earning anything, so three weeks later earning money like this, and then sponsors were coming in, like, and a lot going on. I was like, this is great. But I tried to ground myself, you know. A lot of people around me were getting excited. Um, I was like, like, let's just calm down. And um, then obviously I took a little bit of a dip. And then um, the last time I won, it was 2018. And the prize fund wasn't as big. You know, it might have been $400,000 because sponsorships weren't, weren't as good that year or whatever the situation was. Um but it's not really about the money side of things. It's more about how it makes you feel internally. You know, the feeling of winning internally versus the amount of money coming in is, is two different things. Like that's just a bonus, the, the financial side of things. But the, the winning feeling, you know, you you ask anybody, like you can't take that, you can't beat that. You know, like that's why we decide to play in some of the smaller events sometimes because that feeling of winning is is exceeds way beyond anything that you can get financially. And and tell me, so you win and you, you get to, I mean, and then like in terms of the money, is there, do they hold, withhold taxes? Is it, do they, is it directly you? Does it go to your, your team? Do sponsorships, do they get a piece of your, 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 your winnings or is that completely separate? Like they, like you for expenses and all that, you know, cause in poker, there's a thing called makeup or you might have backers that buy a piece of you, right. That invest in you. Is that, how does that work? And do some people do that or is it? pretty much everyone on tour, like that's just the sponsors of the sponsors. You keep hundred percent of your prize money. And, and how does that kind of, how does it work? They give you a check for 600 K um, and that's it. Or how does it work? Well, I think obviously it depends on the, on the country you're in the, the, the state tax or the income tax, you know, like, yeah. like the other week we were in Reno and we were staying in Reno, which was Nevada, which is no, no income tax. But then because we were playing the tournament in Lake Tahoe in truck, in, in Truckee, that was California, so that we played, we paid California tax on that price fund. So whatever that was, and obviously that state would take that. It would be the same like that in the UK. Like if you were to play in Portugal, you know, you would take a little bit of that. But because I paid UK tax, my tax is at forty four percent. So let's say Portugal take the twenty percent of that winnings, I have to, I have to get pay the other twenty four percent of that. So I make that forty four up. But 
um, regarding sponsorships or um, those winnings. That depends on what you've negotiated with your management team. I think I was in a strong position. I basically said, anything that I win is mine. Anything that you get me, I will give you 20% of. You know, whereas normally most management companies would say, well, we'll take 25% of the 30% of what we get you and also when you win we'll take i don't know a couple of percent or five percent or something like that but i wasn't able i was in a position that i didn't need to do that that's cool um and and what was tell me about the winning feeling like was that particular first one was that uh was it close was it a playoff did you did you have it like in the 17th 18th down the stretch was there was there pressure were you kind of safe to win that that one uh, you know how did that go the first victory so i, I won that one by three, I think the first one. Um, I was out a little earlier than the leaders, and I, and I shot a really low goal uh, score. And I was watching maybe the last four or five groups come in. Um, so that was that was enjoyable um, to do that one. And the second one was tight. You know, we was really tight. I was I really messed up on the second to last hole, and, and I somehow made something really good happen, uh, which is like one in a million. And then. The guy I was playing with, he hit in the water towards the end on the on the last hole. So I had a little bit of a breather um, playing that last hole. But um, yeah, there's so many different scenarios and the ones I've won. I've won a one over here in the US, which I won by five. Um, and try to think the the other one I won. I think I won by a few as well. I'm, I'm better when I win by a lot than than when it gets a bit higher. But I've been able to win both times. Yeah, I, I guess. So, so tell me about, I mean, it's got to be a, a kind of a wild feeling like leading, get finished, and then you're basically just anti-sweating everyone, right? Like every shot, you're hoping they hit the water, it goes out of bounds, or, you know, you just get a clean. It's a, it's a kind of crazy, uh, crazy dynamic to be there and, and watching that. Uh, and what about the the mental side, though? Are you, do you work with the, any mental coaches? Um, you know, I think it's, it's such, it's such a, challenging sport mentally it seems right it can be frustrating you can go on bad runs you could get the, the you see the best players in the world uh they go through these these spurts too right like it happens to everyone just like in poker you could be in a funk you might not win or cash for a while could, someone could be unlucky right could be the wind could be the time you're teeing off could be you're not whatever it could be all these factors so what do you do to keep yourself in the best mental kind of shape and, and do you meditate like give me a little bit of your background on how you kind of keep yourself uh sharp and mentally the mind game so I'd say that my mind is probably the weaker part of my game. You know, I felt my actual game itself is is strong. Um, but sometimes I'm a little bit hard on myself and it, it can sort of reflect on my, on my golf a little bit. Um, but when I'm at my best and when I'm feeling my best, you've got to do what makes you happy. You've got to do things that you want to do rather than what other people expect you to do. Um, I do a lot of meditation when I'm, in that I'm not doing it right now. Like I'm being really lazy. I can't be bothered to do it, but I know that it helps when I do do it. Um, and I do speak to different people. Like I'm a spiritual type of person. So I speak to a spiritual you know, lady that's helped me for years, you know, over in Ireland. And we speak on, we speak on, on FaceTime a lot. Um, she's just like another person to me. Uh, we just, we get on great. And then I see Bob Rotella, who is, um the leading sports psychologist you know in the world um he's helped lots of people like lebron james and um people in in basketball and people in other sports not just golf but golf is his kind of main thing and um a lot of it's just common sense you know it's about doing what's right for you and what's best for you and, and um trying to think like a kid you know when you're a kid you don't really think about the outcome or the, the worry about failing or all those types of things and 
And when you're in that state of mind that you don't really care what happens, that's when you play your best. When you're trying too hard, it's that's that's when you've got a problem. And and uh, it, so I guess you and you mentioned too, it's like when you had that you won that 600k, you have your first that win on the European tour, but also you've had times where you go through a funk. Like, is there anything you do any tricks to kind of get back to neutral? Is that sometimes where you said you might skip a tour or like just kind of reset and, and let things clear off, take a week or two off, and just get go back to the fundamentals? Because I think that's something in poker that happens as well, like the burnout. Right, you're playing constantly. There's a tournament. There's always something going on. So if you just keep going, 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 that might not be as as a good formula as like Adam Scott, right? He's just like, all right, I'm just going to play quality, pick the ones I want to play, you know, be, take my time and, and not force anything and just be fresh and hundred uh, percent. You know, what are, what are your, some of your tricks when things are getting a little bit, I guess, going the direction you don't like, how do you, how do you get it back to neutral? Um, well, it's always good to take, you know, one week is never really long enough. You know, if you, let's say we've had a six week spell where I played six tournaments in a row and I've played, you know, I've gone from, Florida to North Carolina to Texas up to Nevada across to California and then you know like somewhere that's quite a lot to take in you know you're just constantly on go all the time tournaments start Thursday to Sunday so that Monday through to Thursday that's you know Monday to Wednesday that's your time to get reset but we all have our fundamentals our basics which is like right we've taken a load of videos we know we've played well here I do a lot of notes so I write a lot of stuff down about what I well that week and what didn't work and over the years you just kind of have the same traits you know oh that week i was i was feeling this in my, in my, feeling this in my swing let's get back to that you know and i'll just check it over and you know tuesday wednesdays they're the days that you kind of get yourself reset ready for the next golf course because i think with hikers you know it's just, it's just, it, even though it's a different, like, slightly different game and, and different people it's the same table you know it doesn't doesn't change too much the environment can change a little bit but on golf the golf course changes the altitude changes the weather conditions change you know time difference it, it can all play a massive effect um in the long in the you know the whole of that week so one one week the golf course is really long and you've got to hit lots of drivers and the next course is like actually it's quite fiddly it's tight it's in between trees i don't need to hit it as long i need to play these shots and they're the things that you've got to basically study and, 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 and work on. So when we have a week off, that week is basically like do what you makes you make you happy. You know what I mean, if that's, if that's going out to 11 in Miami, then go to 11 in Miami or go and have a pool party or uh, go and drive your car, you know, or go to the beach or go fishing, whatever that is. Go and do it because that week will fly past you know, for us. So we try to, I try to get at least two weeks where I can do my own thing, but it's hard to do, especially this, this season. And and what, what do you prefer? Cause the start times, do you like to go out earlier? Do you like to go in the afternoon? I think it's an advantage one way, right? I guess t- toward a, towards the end, the leaders, usually they put them, it, it's at the end, right? They go, they get to go tee off later. So is that the advantage to, to start later? Or does it not matter on the early rounds? The Thursday and Friday, basically because there's 155 guys to play, you obviously have daylight so we have two to start one you know we start on the first and we start on the tenth and uh they're nine holes halves and uh what you have to play in the morning and the afternoon on thursday and friday but you're drawn you know like one week you're early on thursday which means you're late on friday the next week you might be late on thursday early friday so the thursdays and the fridays are already set for you depending on how well you play Saturday, Sunday, the better you play, the later you go out. 
for me, I hate getting up in the morning, so I much prefer the afternoon. More than I'm more of an evening person than a morning person. But it depends because if the weather gets bad, you'd rather go off in the morning. So it can change. It can vary. And have you ever slept in even at like a live tournament? Or is it not possible? Like in a, you're in Idaho right now. You have your alarm set, like a wake up call. I mean, I, I've played a lot of poker. I've had a lot of day twos because like being late to a day one and poker is not that big a deal because you can lay entry and you don't. You just like come in, you get a full starting stack, right? But day two or three, you can't, if you're late, you're getting blinded off, you're losing chips. You wouldn't want to ever do that. So has that ever happened? Like anytime you had to rush and you're like, oh shit, like I got a 7 a.m. tea time and this tournament or day, you know, and, and then later have you always, you know, get there early, get your practice shots in and have a cup of coffee and no problem. I've never touched wood. I've never slept in, but it's difficult because sometimes I struggle to get to sleep and I have a, like a 4.30 alarm and I'm like, you're never going to sleep, right? You're just going to rest your eyes, you turn over a little bit, you look at the clock, it's 2 a.m., it's 3 a.m. You get up and then you're like, I can't lift my arms, you know, it feels so heavy. And then all of a sudden it's like game time and it's like you're absolutely fine. Do you know what I mean? And then it might hit you after you've done it, but never during because you're just so used to it. You know, like if right. I played if I played 36 holes, which is two rounds in one day, I wouldn't feel it. But like if you did it, you'd be like, my arms are sore, Tom. Like, um, you know, like you would feel differently to how I would, but I couldn't sit at a poker table for eight hours because I'd be like, after about 30 minutes, I'd be like, Jeff, I've got to go, mate. I can't, I can't sit here. Time, yeah. I can't focus that long. Whereas it'd be fine for you, you know? Yeah. So it's just about the, the training that you've done all your life. <laughs> And but and then I mean so I, I'm sure, again that's I'm sure that's happened and especially when you're like leading right or deep the ones you've won going into the final day having a lead or being right in the, in, in contention it's got to be a bit tricky to sort of like a final table or you know your final whatever like it's exciting and it is not easy to go to sleep so is that just one of those things like you rest your eyes maybe you don't get a great night's sleep but once you get up you get going you're you're ready and it's like all right I'm just gonna I press through and, and you get, you just kind of get dialed in in the moment. Then after yeah. maybe you're, you're tired. Is that just how it is? Like, I mean, you don't really ever feel yourself on the course, like really tired and slow. It's like, there gotta be a lot of adrenaline and excitement to be there. Right. Yeah. If I've played a thousand tournaments in my life, like if I've ever played more than two where I've like literally gone, I'm dropping it physically. I'd be surprised, but there's probably a lot to say about uh, was you mentally prepared? Was you mentally ready or was you mentally tired? Yeah. Probably half of those. I probably felt worse than I realized, but you just get into that flow. It just becomes normal. You know, I probably couldn't get up and do a normal nine to five job because the first week would be like tough to get into that routine because I'd be like, this isn't normal for me. Unlike, inconsistency is more normal for me and different time zones and different weather and different environments, different foods. That's normal to me. But if someone says to me, Tom, you've got to spend six months in a nine to five job and you're going to get to a routine. I don't think, I'd, I don't think that that's me. Like I'd struggle with that because I've been so fortunate to be able to have an inconsistent traveling life, you know, like this becomes right. normal to me now, not knowing where I am. I haven't left the hotel. I got here last night uh like half 11 at night i don't know what's around me but this is normal like i'm not bothered i'll figure it out you know so for I'm, sure i'm, I'm and, pleased i'm happy with my life you know yeah and is that is that generally so when you're going to a new place new stop is that usually what you do you get in there monday or tuesday 
and then you just kind of hang out, get acclimated, stick there and then be ready to go for, for uh, Thursday morning? Or do you sometimes come in Wednesday night or is it always you get there a little bit early or try to? Most players would never turn up later than Tuesday night. If they was a, if they was to turn up later than Tuesday night, something's happened. Do you know what I mean? Because Thursday we have to play with sponsors. You know, um, uh, sorry, Wednesday we have to play with sponsors. You know, so we have to be ready to play for Wednesday and and uh, spend time with the guys that are actually funding us. You know, their their clients and and mingle and do the right things and um, you know also prepare for the. So most guys would come in Monday. No, they wouldn't really get here any earlier than Monday they would, unless they were flying from the tournament four, which is what I've just done this week. Is right. fly from one tournament to the next, which is why I'm here on Monday. But usually I would probably fly Monday afternoon or Tuesday very early. That would be my usual travel plan. Right. And do you have uh, – is there – and, like, can you tell me a little bit more about your, like, overall team? You said you have an agent manager sort of – sort uh, or, or- – a team there but do you have like a personal trainer you know coach like how do you give me a or caddy like how give me sort of like a rundown of everything that encompasses your your uh professional golf sort of journey so my caddy is with me pretty much 24 hours you know he, he's with me a lot he's actually a friend of mine so that helps a lot he's professional but he's also one of my best friends um he's with me every week you know the week i'm playing he's there uh, if we get some time off, he'll obviously go back home to Dubai where he lives now. Um, Agent-wise, they tend to more come when there's big tournaments. I'm I'm with WME, IMG. Um, they're a big brand. They have managers all over the world in Europe and everything. My manager is based in England. I haven't seen him for like a long time. Um, but we speak, you know, but there isn't really much to, to, to do. I'm quite low maintenance. There isn't really anything for me. I don't need someone there all the time. A lot of players are quite insecure and really needy and they need someone with them all the time to make them feel important. I'm not really like that. Um, so it depends on the individual and what they expect from their sort of team. But uh, yeah, my trainer, he's in England. I haven't seen him for a year. So uh, I usually would train, you know, I would train a little bit, but it's difficult when you're in golf because it's such a field sport. If you start training a bit too much, you lose that sort of, and consistency so um it varies right now i'm only literally traveling with with my caddy everyone else is sort of back home doing their own thing and and what about coach or is that sort of the same as a trainer like anyone works on your analyzes or using tools you know nowadays there's so much stuff right simulators and and visual uh just there's a lot of tools to, to sort of analyze in all sports like do you do work on that? Do you actually like review and watch your swing and, and, and look at ways to improve constantly or, or how does that work with the with technology now? Are you doing something you weren't doing five or 10 years ago that you are now? I prefer doing stuff away from tournaments. So weeks off, I tend to use my coach. This is what I've been doing. This is what I want to work on and spending more time away from tournaments doing something. Um, but if I do need a coach, he's in Miami and he can come to these tournaments when I'm, when I'm away. But I'm not, like I say, needy or coaches when I'm at tournaments. I think it's more important to focus on the task at hand rather than, you know, all the little areas. Because I'm in a professional and, and my swing is my golf swing. It's, it's not going to change much, even if I think it's going to change a lot. So I need to just focus on consistency with what I'm working on, playing then tournaments, more focus on the external rather than the internal. And then when I'm, you know, away from tournaments and I've, and I've uh, 
got some time off to spend with a coach, that's when I would probably spend more time with more of a swing coach than any, than any time, any other time. It makes makes perfect sense. And with the guys on tour, I mean, like uh, the the top, like you know, you you've been ranked as high as what forty sixth or you know top fifty in the world, and you're you sort of you know, won some some professional events. You know, what do you? What are some attributes that that you see though? Guys like, of course, the you know Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, these these guys that have just been that you probably, you know, you play with and, and you see and guys that have won so many events. And as you said, you're 30 kind of still coming. You feel like you're getting better with age, which is a nice feeling to have. But like, what are some things that you think that they do so well? Like, what is it, you know, what is the, in poker, I could tell you attributes of the the top 0.01%. What are some things that these guys just, they just have that, that you sort of strive for or that you're like, well, I think I could, you know, I'm working towards this, but just that, that makes them so elite. What is it? What are some attributes of these guys that are like always, you know, top three, uh, Dustin Johnson, these other guys? I can't, I can't obviously speak for poker because I don't know it well enough, but um, it'd be interesting. I'd like you to tell me, but um, from golf perspective, most guys at the top, if you've ever asked them, I think I asked one guy once, what did, what did, what made the difference between best and worst. And, and he was like, he told me that it was consistency. And then I remember him saying something to me that he asked Lee Westwood, who's one of the best Europeans ever to play. He said, I asked him what he was working on in his swing 20 years ago. And he said, Oh, I'm just trying to get a bit laid off at the top. It's irrelevant what, what that means. Right. But he said, he asked him again, 20 years later, he says, what are you working on? He goes, oh, I'm just working on getting a little bit laid off at the top. So it showed that, he never really changed it a lot. You know, it was very same stuff. And I think Tiger's a different character. You know, Tiger's Tiger. Like, no one will ever be him, but a lot of the guys always work on the same things, consistency, you know. I think when you've got a consistent routine off of the golf course, I think that's when the players are at their best on the golf course. One of the top players, Henrik Stenson, said to me, Tom, you'll never play good golf angry. I'm like, no, I'll prove to you I can play golf angry. And I'll never do that. And I think if you've got a good stability outside of golf, good family, good, you know, good morals, or um, you have your hobbies, you stick with them, you know, you know what works in your golf game. Don't try and chase it too much. Work on it hard, but, you know, enjoy it. That's what probably makes the best players where they are now. And also they have self-belief and, and also that their results have given them that belief as well, you know oh, well, I've won doing this, so I'm going to carry on doing it. Um, obviously, everyone's got a gift. It's how to maximise that gift. And uh, a lot of them top players have maximised what they believe works for them, and then they just keep they keep doing it. But, but you tell me, what, what is, what's the best attributes in poker? What, what makes the best top percent versus the rest? Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, it's pretty deep, in-depth. You could go a lot of different directions with it, but just in terms of actually... I, I think it's interesting because, again, what I would envision is it's not even just the actual skill level, right? It's like it's all these other things you're you, you're sort of alluding to, whereas in poker, there's something called bankroll management, right? Like you could have the best player in the world, but he goes broke a lot, right? He just shoots his role, plays the highest stakes, you know, and then goes broke or whatnot. So, like, this is something bankroll management. There's a lot of intangibles, too, about, um, you know, good sleep, uh, having a good routine, game selection, right? You could be the 10th best player in the world. But you play in a game like a home game with the nine best players and it's not going to do any good. Right. So it's like having ego. A lot of poker players have ego where they like, you know, this happens to a lot of people. I know they'll, they'll play in games where they're 
not one of the best players, even though they're extremely good and they get crushed. And it's like, it, it sounds so silly, right? You're like, why would you play online poker on a, in a game where you can like choose to play with other games and where you're going to be a bigger favorite, but people do this, right? Like they have an ego. They want to prove they're better than another guy. You know, imagine like on the golf course, you could sit and play, you know, like a cash game where you guys just 10 guys go out for the day and you play. If, if those ten, nine other guys are better than you or as good as you, um, you know, why would you do that when you could go play with, 10 guys that are you're the best player right so it's like this example of poker there's a lot of that ego game selection bankroll management and then in terms of actually like improving the game there's a lot of information now there's a lot of simulators something called peel solver there's other stuff like it's a very deep game like same to golf i'll say this too like in golf to go from 120 to 100 to 90 to 80 right to get down from like 75 to par isn't extremely hard. Like that's like the difference between being a pro going, you know, shooting uh, in the, in the minuses, right? Like uh, minus three or minus four. I don't even know what's it called. Plus one, right. Or plus two, these type of things. Mm-hmm. Like that difference between being seven, like scratch is, is insane. Like it's like that. It's so hard to get there. Whereas in poker, you know, the work that's being done, the people that are running solvers, simulations, studying boards, studying flops, knowing bet sizings, you know, it's just, there's so many little details that go into it that people are putting a lot of work. There's a lot of studying. There's a lot of practice. There's a lot of uh, discussion. And and I think that that's ultimately what makes the best players is those that are putting the time and the effort into studying to reviewing and to pushing the boundaries. You know, it's like a lot of people don't want to do the work, right? Like even as you may be a gifted golfer, but reviewing your play, doing stuff with coaches, you know, practicing, chipping, you know, off on off days or putting, right? Like it's same thing in NBA and free throws. Why does like certain guys shoot 90%? Like if, if, if some, if some of these players want to go and shoot a thousand free throws a day on their off day or whatever, right. Or during the off season, you know, they could become, come better. There's a guy who's a friend of mine who uh, his name's Mike McDonald. He made a bet that he could shoot 90% free throws. He had like six months to train right? He's just, he's like me. It'd be like me going out and saying, I'm going to shoot 90 out of a hundred free throws, like bet me that I can't do it and give me like a certain amount of time. You might be like, well, yeah, I, I don't think you could do it, but guess what? Like if you, if I went out and practice every day for four hours or three hours a day for, for six months, guess what? I'm going to shoot 90% free throws. I will like, yeah, I'll bet you right now. You know what I'm saying? Like it's that kind of dedication, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, uh, whatever, right. Steph Curry, these guys, like these guys put in a lot of work. And again, like to be in the NBA, it's a, it's a very illustrious thing, right? It's very hard. Like no one's really doing it. No, to be a pro golfer, no one's really doing it. But, you know, at some point there's God-given talent. And then there's also putting in that extra work and effort and grind. And I think that, uh, again, that's sort of like true in poker, golf, basketball, football, anything. It's a combination of everything. And the best of the best are the ones that have the talent, but also are willing to do things that, that others aren't. So it's a long-winded answer, but that's that's a bit of the poker sort of insight and in how I feel. But, um, you know, I don't know. Again, like, I, I'm sure if you were to say the same, right? Like, your putting's probably very good. You're a professional golfer. But, you know, right, you know, you could get off this call and go spend two hours putting or something or practicing your room. You know, I don't know. Like, maybe that would help you. Maybe it wouldn't. But, like, that's just, you know, certain things uh, some people are willing to do and some aren't. And, you know, I, I don't know. if that, that, Would you say that's fair, like, in terms of putting and chipping? Like, is it is like is that going to help? Like you could, you could always get better. Right. I mean, that's the same in anyone and anything really. But uh, is that, is that a fair statement? Like some guys are just like, they do so much extra work on their game. Is that, is that fair or no? Like for like the I would best. Say so. I think it's, I think it's one of those where you, you work hard to a stage where you, you need to get to the top level. And when you get to that top level, I think it's about working smart. You know, like you were saying, there's a lot of study going in at that top percent. I think 
that's the same thing as what I was trying to say is a lot of these guys have already done their studying. They've done their work. And now it's just about maximizing that and being smart about it and going, well, I'm not very good at hitting it left to right. So all I'm going to do is hit it right to left and I'm going to get really good at hitting it right to left. And instead of then trying to go, oh, there's a pin on the right-hand side, I'm just going to try and hit the shot I'm not comfortable with. They'll go, okay, well, that's just not a hole I can really be aggressive on. I'll just accept that it's not going to be that close and hit it in the middle of the green and then I'll move on. Do you know what I mean? And I think that's that's being smart. And it's also being dedicated mentally to sticking to a game plan. And like you say, is 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 being consistent, you know, being smart with what you know you can do and just being great at it. You know, I think Tiger was the one that ruined everyone because he was able to do everything the best, left to right, right to left. He was good from really long and he was good from really short. My putting lets me down compared to everybody else's, but it's still way better than anybody else's that I would go and play with, you know. A lot of people would say, Tom, you need to improve your putting. I'll say, okay, then let's go and play golf, you know. And they'll play with me and they'll go, fucking, they'll go like, no, oh, Jesus, like, didn't realise you were good. I'm like, well, yes, because you're really crap, but you're saying my putting's rubbish, but actually it's way better than you think it is. It's just not got that tiny little percent that's going to get me across the line from finishing 50 seconds to win in the tournament. Right. Yeah, no, I think that's that's inter- that's exactly sort of what we're saying. And I think that that's uh, it's super interesting, right? It is all perspective. And and how much luck is there in golf? Because in sports and you, know, you miss a field goal or you know, look at Tom Brady's won, what, seven rings, but, you know, he's winning in overtime. There's drives. I was at the game in Houston where he came back, right? They were down 28 to three. Like there was a lot had to go right for that at that moment to happen like how much luck is there in golf with the with the wind or how the ball rolls or how you miss a putt by an inch or rolls out or rims out or some guy hits an incredible shot how would you how do you sort of uh i guess you say how, how do you take the luck factor into golf how would you say that it applies and how, how important is is luck in golf it is it is you know you could go and play at 9 a.m in the morning and could be in a complete monsoon of rain and weather and terrible and then when i finish at 2 p.m some bot, some guys going out at two two thirty, and he's got sunshine with no wind. I can't control that, you know. I'm not. He's going to beat me, even if he has a bad round, and I've had a great round. He's still going to probably beat me. That's luck. But regarding sort of lip ins and lip outs and bad shots working out for you, one of the players used to say, "I get more luck the more I practice." You know, a lot of it's to do with playing the right shots and, and working hard and believing and being aggressive and and if it works out, it works out. But yes, it, there is a bit of luck in it involved for sure. Um, and and how do you? Like, I guess the, one of the hardest things in poker too is is that I feel is to understand, you know, to be honest with yourself, because it's so easy to get knocked out of a poker tournament. You know, you get it in with ace king, no guys ace queen. Say you're seventy percent favorite and you lose, but and you say, man, I'm so unlucky, right? Like that guy hit the queen or made a flush, and and that's super unlucky. But oftentimes, it's not your last. Um, hand, right? There's a lot of other things that happen along the way, you know, similar to, I would imagine in golf, right? Like there's a lot of like little things that again, for a viewer or someone who's like, it's easy to go home and say, I got unlucky. I got a bad beat and you're out. But there was all these other hands that happened along the way that you could have done differently or made a good call, made a good fold. Uh, how, how is that sort of, um, you know, how are you able to, 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 
to know if like you were unlucky or, or if you just didn't play your best. Cause I think this is really hard in poker to really be, to be honest with yourself on this. This is like one of the factors in, in the areas that people are, are able to sort of, um, say that, Oh, I was like, I'm lucky. And, and obviously the best, the best players in the world, they, they're, they take ownership, right? Is that, is that sort of fair too? Like, is it, you know, you can't like, you could leave a tournament exactly like you said, the weather could have been a problem or the different time of day. Uh, how, how do you sort of know whether you were unlucky or you weren't playing well? Do you know always, or is it hard for you to sometimes Yeah, know? I think, I think it's hindsight. If you're taking into account hindsight, you're taking into account stubbornness and you're taking into account like self-belief. And I think if you're, you don't know what shot to hit, you know, if let's say there's, there's you've got to carry the water at 260 yards and you're not sure if you can carry it myself right i'm gonna i'm gonna hit this I'm, instead of me laying up i could easily just go short the water and then across i'm gonna go for it well i've committed to that and if i then make it and i'll be like was i lucky or was i unlucky yeah i was probably lucky because the wind died down and it carried but i actually hit a bad shot or i hit a great shot exactly as i wanted to the wind picked up you know into the breeze and the ball went into the water do I beat myself up so I could stand there after a round or after a shot and go, why the hell didn't I just lay up? I wouldn't have done that if I didn't lay, you know, if I laid up, it wouldn't have mattered. Or I walk away and say, I committed to everything I did. I didn't do anything wrong. You know, I just cannot believe it didn't make it. And then be really stubborn inside and be like, I was perfect. Like I did everything. I made the decision. I committed to it. I hit it exactly as I wanted to. And it didn't work out. So you don't take the self, you know, you don't take it onto yourself and beat yourself up then that would be the difference between best players in the world and maybe guys that are in my position which are breaking through to be the best players in the world. I probably beat myself up internally more for anything that went wrong, whereas the best players are stubborn, single-minded and be like, um, I didn't do anything wrong there. And then maybe if they sat at home after the tournament, they might go, maybe I shouldn't have done that. They would never self-doubt themselves during the tournament. Right. And uh, how about your with the caddy? How important is that relationship and, and being a good, really close friend of yours? And 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 you know when it, when you guys get on a, a hole and he says you know I always shoot a seven and you say no I'm gonna hit a six. You know, how how does that sort of dynamic work and, and how is that trust process sort of uh, grown and developed? Because it must be pretty intense, right? There's I'm sure there's times you guys don't see eye to eye exactly. And that, how do you deal with that on in the moment? You apologize at the beginning of the round and say whatever I say during a hot heat moment. It's me, it's me emotionally. But I think if you if you've got someone that's going to work with you, you know you believe in them and you trust them, and um, they're only what they want the best for you as well because their 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 careers and their finances and are built on your on my success. So they want the best for you, and they're not trying to mess you up. So we all know that, but at the same time. Um, it's important to have someone by your side that you can have a good relationship with because it is like a, just a relationship, you know. Um, you need good chemistry. You need to understand what's going through people's heads. I'm fortunate that the person that works for me used to be a great golfer himself. So he knows what I'm thinking because we grew up as kids together. So we have a great relationship. And I know before he says something what he's going to tell me because we've worked together for so long. Um, and sometimes that can be hindrance because obviously you get so close together when things don't go great you know it's hard to get angry and still care but we right. both know that the job we're in is a difficult job to have you know to have and we're going to have ups and downs but we all know what's best for each of us and we have respect and i think if you have respect for somebody then 
you know, whatever happens from that point, you can, you can work it out. Yeah, caddying's not easy. I've done it a few times for fun. Actually, once with Dave at a uh, state tournament and back when we lived in in Baltimore, and I lost two towels, and it was a rainy day, and it was I felt I felt really bad. Actually, you know, I think I might even uh, I could have uh, impaired him a little, and he might have needed a towel late in the round. I lost his backup, and yeah, it was uh, it was fun though. It's it is it's it's stressful though, right? Because it's like you said, you gotta yeah, you, it's important stuff matters, and it can get kind of heated out there, right? And if you obviously if you both have that rapport, it's nice you guys are pretty much aligned most of the time and also care about each other and, and know each other well. So that, that's gotta be uh that's gotta be a nice bonus. I'm sure a lot of people with their caddies, it's not like that, right? They don't, they're not necessarily, they become good friends or get to know each other, but they're not necessarily boyhood friends, right? That's not probably so common, which is pretty cool. That's gotta be a, a nice, nice touch. And he's on how, what percentage of the time is he with you? Said the majority of the tour all, all the time. I lost you there for a sec. Sorry, um, that broke up a little bit. Yeah, no worries. Yeah, I was just asking how long, like, what percent of the time is he with you on the on the tour? Is he on almost every stop? Yeah, he's pretty much with me the whole time. Like, I've had I've had people before where they're more it's more work related, but I don't think I enjoy golf enough to have somebody that's like it's just just work, 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 and there's no real chemistry. So to have a friend that's with me all the time that was also a very good good caddy, I'm very lucky. <laughs> That's awesome. And then tell me, tell me about the other two wins. So you have, you have two, two at the one stop in the European tour. And then you've also, you won two other professional wins. Can you tell me what were those, what was that like? And, and how big was this? This was one here um, in the, the Bridgestone challenge as well yeah. as the, yeah. What, what were these two wins? What was that like? So, that's one, so, so the Bridgestone one there was, um, that was uh, one of the, the lower tours. But that was the one under the European tour that I took a, a week where I was struggling and I was going through a bit of a like a bit of a dip. I decided to play because I could stay at home and I was right. You know, it wasn't far from my house. And I ended up winning that, which was great because then it actually snowballed into two weeks later. I won the Portugal event. So that was like back to that point we were talking about is sometimes it's even though your ego is, is up here and you want to play the biggest things, you know. In, in the world sometimes taking a little step back can actually do some good and, and that was a prime example of that very cool and then you recently i think you got runner-up or third was that uh in the or sorry second was this one right here the wgc invitational yes yeah, so wgc so that was a good tournament so basically david supports a lot about st jude the st jude charity and um that tournament is sponsored by st jude so we called it st jude wgc uh yeah look you can see there fedex st jude invitational and um so david did something which was great he said for every birdie i made i think he gave two and a half thousand dollars um to the charity i ended up being having the most birdies that week and he ended up giving away sixty thousand dollars to st jude charity and we've got these cool little plaques with a picture of me and the bag and the sponsorship and my letter from the st jude um the St. Jude group basically and um that was that was a brilliant week because the first two days I played terrible and I was like fourth from last and then at the weekend uh, I think I was four shots better than any other player and uh it was just a really good week. It was a shame I didn't quite win. You know, I lost by two shots or whatever but it was it was an enjoyable week. And and tell me like in a tournament like that, what what is so it's a well, it's a charity component or just they're sponsored by that, but like what what was first in that versus 
versus second and third. Cause the payouts are also very similar to poker, very top heavy and sort of like curve, right? Like from the, from the payouts. Yeah. Uh, so how, how does that work? And what was that particular person? That one? So that one was probably one of the most expensive week. I, I think the winner won $2 million. And I think second place was $1.2 million. Um, but because I, I finished second, but because I was tied second with three or four other players, I think that payout was around 700,000. Oh, wow. So still, still, uh, yeah, nice, nice score though. That's, uh, that's the one that keeps the lights on, right? That's like in poker too. You don't always have to win, but you finish top two, top three, top four, you're, you know, final table, final six, seven, eight, nine, you're, you're in business and, and moving around. So that's, uh, that's good. Very cool. Um, well, listen, I want to, there's some other questions that I, that I saw here that were covered, uh, on Twitter as well. So we have a $109 ticket. We're going to give away here at the end. A lot of questions, a lot of engagement, and I'll try to, we'll try to get to as many of these as we can. So um, we'll try to wrap it for some of these that work. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. All right, cool. Um, let's see. Let's just go from right here. Uh, so I'm just making a comment, not a question. Uh, if you had to choose one club and throw away the others to play 18 holes with, which would it be and why? Interesting question, actually. Um, I'd probably say a seven iron. My favorite number is seven, but at least with a seven iron, it's kind of it's got enough loft that you can hit it far enough. But also, if you're kind of around the greens, you can open it up enough that you can create some sort of loft, and also you can probably putt with it. So I'd probably say that that was probably the best. Okay, seven iron. That's good to know. So you cut out there. You're still, okay. So seven iron. That's your that's your final answer. You would take a seven iron for the for the for one club. Okay. Um, let's sure, see if yeah. you, if you feel you have to behave more conservatively off the course as a professional, and if the expectations are becoming higher as time goes on, this is from Marco Gosto, my lead moderator in the channel asking about the, uh, how, how do you feel like you have to act? You're sort of, you know, public figure, you're a professional, you're on tour. And, and do you, do you feel like you always, you kind of have to watch yourself or be conscientious of how you're behaving? I think with social media nowadays, a lot of professionals have been very cautious because it's so easy to make a mistake, say something that you don't really mean and then just be, you know, just be abused for that. So I think sportsmen in general look boring because they can't express themselves the way that they want to express themselves. For me, I'm in a fortunate position where I'm not really in the light limelight right now as such, so it doesn't really matter what I post or what I, what I act like. But if I got to the top level, there would be a difference between the way I was, let's say, if me and you were in Miami with Silverman versus me on the golf course in front of a load of cameras and a load of people. But I think it, I think social media is ruined that a little bit. Yeah, no, for sure. Things, things are changing. Um, what, best places to learn golf for beginners. Is there anywhere that you know of now or that you would, you know, just based on your experiences that you would say if someone wants to go learn? Uh, what's a typical good way for someone to pick up golf and, and get after it? I think if you just went to your like like a nearby golf course, nothing too strenuous, you know, you go somewhere that's easy to get to because golf is a lot about consistency. And, you know, if you decide to choose one coach, choose him, you know, say I'm going to do this for two years and I'm going to see him once a week, every week, and I'm going to have a hundred lessons or whatever. And how good can I get because it's not about like, oh, he didn't make me great. Let's go and do something different. It's much more about being consistent. So go and choose a golf course that's easy to get. It's easy accessible from home. And 
And just kind of touching back on this prize pool. So this was a big one, the one you just finished runner-up tied here at the FedEx with the St. Jude's uh, tournament. What was what was the entry fee? Because again, sponsors pay mo- some of the, the pros aren't putting up their own money necessarily, or some don't. But what what would it be if? Uh, how does it work? Like, what's the entry fee, and how much of the money is prize money in a, in a purse like that? Honestly, I don't know. It's not a lot though. Like, it could be eighty dollars or a hundred dollars. It's not. It's nothing. Like so you don't pay your our money that goes towards that tournament is not really the sponsor is not we're not getting that back. Like the sponsors are the ones that invest in that. Um, I know okay. it's different in poker. You you know you get invested through other people and you have to pay a lot of money to enter that to that seat. But but for me it's just, it's literally peanuts. Like it doesn't there's no entry okay. really. You know it doesn't really okay. So, so it I is pay, to be honest, yeah. It, it's primarily sponsorship money for the purse money. And then maybe there's just like some greens fee or something nominal that you just, it gets put on there, but it's uh it's because when you talk about being a pro, the cost really is about traveling, right. To like, you're in a spot for a week or five, six days, the hotels, food, the, uh, the, the flights, all this, right. It's a, it's a lot of travel and, and such. Is that more the expense that comes yeah. in? Of course, the equipment and coaching and stuff like that. But is that, is that, yeah. is that pretty much what works? Um, yeah, well, basically a lot of the, at the top level, the entering the entry fees are very small. Whereas if you play smaller tours, it would be much more like you're playing for the money that you put in. It could be 400 pounds. It could be 500 pounds, but are at the top level, most of you are outgoing to more towards the team, your team that you're choosing to help you invest, you know, like my caddy or, um, my coach or my trainer they're the people that you tend to pay a lot of outgoings towards and a travel towards flights etc etc for sure all right toughest rival and why I, I don't know in golf if that's really so relevant because i mean you're paired with people but you're ultimately playing yeah. against the entire field like is there anyone i don't know is there is that does that even hit home is there someone you would say you have a rival in golf like is that maybe paired with them several times and i don't know is, 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 do you have one no, not really. I, as kids, you used to have more rivals. Like Tommy Fleetwood would be a rival. I played him a lot of the time. He's one of the world's best players, and I never seemed to beat him. We play a lot of practice rounds. We play a lot of money. Like we play for like $50 or something. And I think we've played about eight times, and I've won once. So he'd probably be my rival. Um, but but we're good friends as well. Like we just, you know, we use each other's um performances and, and, and abilities to push each other. There's not real right. It's not real rivalry. Right. Make, that makes sense. And actually, you know, I was, so I was in London recently and a couple of my good friends for a long time who I didn't know played golf at all. They, they were saying like, Oh, you know, I'm in a membership at this course now and playing like where, where would you say the state of golf is in popularity? Cause it does seem to me that people that, you know, I used to think golf was silly. I didn't really get it. Sort of like the movie Moneyball when I watched it. Like I'm not a, I don't like watching baseball, but I respect it a lot more. Golf now, I've played some, and some of my you know closest friends have gotten really into it, and I get it. Right, like I see how exciting it is, how fun it is, how you know to to shoot a, one or two better strokes. It's, it's motivating. You have one good shot, it keeps you coming back. It's a very mental game. So I, I appreciate it now. I didn't used to, and I feel like from my perspective, people I know are starting to really get after it and like they like it or are getting more into it. Are you, do you feel like golf's gotten more popular in the last, you know, several years? Do you, do you notice that with friends or, or sort of just auxiliary? Is that your feeling or how do you feel specifically about golf as a whole, as the, as the game right now, is it growing? Is it in good hands? I think, I think with COVID happening, golf has improved. Yeah. Because obviously it was an, 
it was a single, you know, it wasn't a team sport. You were on your own, you could have space. So I definitely think over the last couple of years, it's, it's definitely grown. I think it's obviously had its trait of being old man sport or, you know, it takes too long, etc. But it's like cricket in the UK. They've made 2020 cricket, which made, instead of it being like a whole week thing, they made it a day thing and that became more popular. And in golf, you obviously watch it on TV and you see it's kind of long, long and slow. But it doesn't have to be, you know, there's loads of, you know, top golf is obviously really helping a lot of people get into golf now, which is that fun sort of driving range sort of experience and hitting it into zones. And it's like a drug, you know, golf's really like a drug. You, it, it kills, it kills me inside to be bad, you know, but I'm like, right, I'm going to give up. I'm going to have, I'm going to just not do it anymore. And then two or three days go by and I'm like, I've got it. I know what I need to do. And, you know, you go back. And I think it's something that people, if they give themselves enough time to play it, they'll understand. But I think if you're just going to give yourself an hour or a one lesson to really get into it, you're, you're never going to enjoy it. You've, you've really got, it's a sport that you can't be good at straight away. Even the top players aren't even great at it, you know? So imagine what it's like for beginners. You just, I yes. would say give it a go, but, but it could be fun. I, I think yeah, it's 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 hard. It's different than poker because the, the repercussions aren't so bad. If you're bad, it's not that big a deal. Like I was saying to you before we started, that I wouldn't really recommend someone just casually going to poker and then go into it kind of heavily because you could get you know lose some serious money and and, and whatever. But I think golf, if you go out there, it takes a while to get good. You still get some exercise, you know, get some sunlight, uh, and 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 it's fun. It's not the worst, the biggest deal if you're not so good. But um, yeah, and and someone's just asking as well, what age did you start? When did you really? When did you first golf, and when did you first start getting really into it? So I started when I was four. Um, I got into it when I was, I, you know, I was always been into it. But when I was sort of fifteen, sixteen, I needed to make a decision whether I was going to be a football player or whether I was going to be a golfer. So. No, when I got to about 16 is when I decided, okay, I need to make this my career and full focus. And then from 16 to 20, I played when I left high school, I left and I played full-time amateur golf and then turned professional at 20 and I'm now 30. That's my timeline. Okay. Very, very nice. And what do you, what is the, what is your predicted time? I mean, I see you said VJ Singh started winning at 44, everything like where, and I guess there's a senior tour at 50 people are eligible for, like, what do you believe? Like, do you have a, a guess on how long you'll play? Do you, do you love it still? Like, could you see yourself playing until your fifties or when, how long do you think you'll play? If you had to guess right now? My, my guess would be I'm 30 now. When I get to 50, I'm not going to carry on playing. I'm going to end it. Um, I want to enjoy my life. You know, I want to be able to give myself to a family, uh, you know, my own family, um, whenever that happens. So I think the next 10 to 12 years is going to be where I really excel. And I'm probably going to be at my best. And then last eight years, I'll probably just continue to see how I play. But I will do other things outside of golf, like the property company, and I will create financial income in other ways that will allow me to have 24 hours of the day to do whatever I want. That's my plan before I'm 50. Very nice. And, and do you, is that, is that Phil Mickelson's over 50, right? Is he winning playing on the senior tour as well? Like, is that, was that how it works when you hit 50, you're able to do either? Is that, or both? Is that, is that how it works? Yeah. Yeah. Well, obviously Phil's been such a great player for so long. He's been still able to perform at 50 years old with the best players in the world that are 22, you know, to, all the way up to his age. So um, 
when he went and won the um, the USPGA this year, that was obviously an unbelievable triumph. And um, he's now eligible to play because he's won one of the four biggest tournaments of the year. He's now eligible for five years to play in the US with the with the young lads, basically. So I don't know. I think I heard the story that the older guys, uh, the senior tour boys are just like, you're not allowed to play with us. So I don't know what's happening there. I'm sure I'm sure you'll play full time on the PGA tour. Um I honestly don't know. I, I just know that you you're only allowed to play on that seniors tour when you're fifty, but you have to have had a career to be able to play on it, you know. Wow. So wait, they're actually telling him like we 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 don't want you to play, even though I mean they, obviously he could, right? If he wants, that's his choice. I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. I, I, I've heard that they've complained, but I don't know if that's sort of just stories or whether that's facts. I don't know. To be honest with you, I'd be interested tonight. Well, it's it's funny because in, in poker there's the same thing. I think it's fifty, and then there's sixty five. Like there's a su- senior and the super senior. It's not really a tour, but they have like at the World Series this event, and it's like it's a big joke that. You know, some of my friends that are older, like they're look, like when they, it's like that big of an advantage, right? Because it's like the, the drop off and level, like guys that are in their 20s, 30s, they're aggressive, they're they're tough, they're putting you to hard decisions. And generally, not always, but like most of the 50 year old plus, they're not really, you know, doing super aggressive things and it's a lot softer. So guys that know how to really play and are, you know, they get hit to be 50, but they played for 10, 15 years or they're sort of an aggressive player. Like they kind of, you know, they just feel like it's so much easier. But yeah, I don't know how similar it is, but I guess it makes sense, right? Like, you know, you don't see too many 50-year-old NFL players or NBA. Tom Brady's 44, but that's basically, you know, one in one in thousands. And and yeah, I mean, Phil must be having a, a picnic uh, up there at, at the, you know, I, I could see why they wouldn't want him to compete there. So that makes sense. Um, what would you compare golf to some most similar in other sports or just based on like, you know, tennis or, you know, what do you, what do you see the, I really do think it's like a mirror of poker. Like I think it's the closest in so many ways and all the way up to payouts and the structure and the days and the travel and the tour and the, the pay, all this stuff. But is there any, you know, for you, what you know and understand what is the most similar sport? I'd say it's snooker. Now snooker is obviously very boring, but in my opinion, but, Snooker is the ball stays still. You know, a lot of sports, the ball's always moving. Whereas snooker stays still. So it's a lot about positional play, thinking ahead, like being being able to be in the moment, but also think about what's going to come. Um, and um, technique, obviously, with snooker players, they've got obviously have great technique in their, in their sort of strokes to be consistent. Uh, so I'd say that's probably the one sport I would relate. That comes to mind straight away is, is snooker. Interesting. I'm not familiar with that game at all. I have heard of it, but um, I'll have to check that out. We got a question here about Brazil. Have you ever been to Brazil? I have, yeah. I went to Rio back in 2009. Nice. Okay. Was, yeah, we got uh, some Brazilian. Good. You had a good it, time there? It was good, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was really fun. I went there as like a junior. We got looked after well. Um, uh, we did some tours. We went up to up to the uh, up to the mountain. Um, tell me I'm Redeemer. wrong. Uh, yeah. Um, yep. it was it was awesome. Like I had a great time um, getting up on that train and that it was fun. I thought that train was going to stop and go backwards. I thought we were going to die, but it was uh, it was great. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I remember. I've been. I know you're talking about. It. I've been on that one. Very cool. What about what's your favorite place to go in the world? For playing golf, if a favorite tournament, take away the mass, you know, like the the majors, forget about the money or anything. What's like the nicest stop that you just like? I love going here to be there and play, and also non-golf was your favorite place to kind of vacation or just relax? Dubai's 
quite fun because from the UK to Dubai, it's like an hours on flight. Um, weather's always perfect, and it's very there's a, a lot of um, English people in, in in Dubai, so it feels like feels like home. And I've been going there for a long time, so that would be one of them that come to mind. But I've always enjoyed being over here in America, like because you can you can get such a variant of different places. You can go to Pebble Beach you know, and have these real scenic views and, and then you can kind of come over to um, Florida and be in much more different weather conditions, you know, warmer, steamier. Um, so I've always been, been a fan of, of, of American tour and American golf. And um, from a holiday perspective, home's holiday. Like I'm always away, you know. Like if I had a chance to go on holiday, I'd be sitting at home right now in the UK. That'd be my holiday. Nice. And, and the, so I played, I went actually, I went over there with, to the Dunhill. It was like a, a charity kind of event. I forget what it must've been 2012. I, I went with Mike and Dave came by for a day or two and we, we played like Carnoustie, Kings Barnes and, and um, what's the uh, St. Andrews. And I, I, I got to hit a few, I didn't play the, the actual courses, but I was on there and, and got to mess about, which was, those were pretty iconic courses to be clear. That's so those are all, European tour, but like that's one of the four ma- majors, though, right? Is the the British Open? Is that right, or am I mixing that up? Or like, is are those European stop tours, or how does it work? Like, because I mean, th- those are prestigious courses, right? And events. Yeah. So the them courses that you played, other than Kings Barnes, but they're, they're major tournament courses. Yeah. Um, for the for the Open, um, which used to be called British Open, it's now called the Open. Um, but yeah, they're they're brilliant like if anyone wants to play golf like and have a traditional golf like trip like St Andrews is the place to go because you know you can't really beat UK Lynx golf they call it Lynx golf that's just the way it is um, and it's just epic and if you get great weather you probably went did you go when you went to the Dunhill Championship then it sounds like yeah when Mike was playing yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. that that's a good tournament to play a lot of you know a lot of very wealthy small businessmen play that tournament Um uh, and celebrities like Michael, and uh, they're they're great trips, but they're normally in bad weather, like September, October. If you can go yeah. now when the sun's out, you can have such a great time. But but to be clear, like so, is the is the the St Andrews is that that's on the European tour? Is that part of the PGA? European, but so, so, majors, yeah, okay. but ma- yeah. majors are are a mix between every tour in the world. Major okay. tournaments are like if you. With a major, you're eligible to play anywhere in the world forever type thing. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Wow. Interesting. So that's, just, okay. that's just one of those things. So it's Europe, but US as well. Uh, makes makes perfect sense. So we got a question from about the picture here saying, can you explain the picture? What was it? Was it an advertisement or what was it? Let's we got to scroll <laughs> yeah. top here. What, what's going on here? Yeah, I mean, you, uh, you said to me, you said to me, send me, send you a funny picture that was landscape. And that's the only one I can think of. But that, we had a pool party down in, in Miami and uh, this was a while ago, a couple of years, maybe a year or so ago now. And uh, and I had a sponsor and, and he, he had sent me a load of drinks and I was like, girls, you don't mind if we just put a picture together. So that was just, that was the reason why we all had those drinks in our hands. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, sorry. Maybe, maybe I missed the wording. Might have been confusing. Fun picture. Yeah, I was. I was, looking, I was thinking. About, I wanted. I wanted like a golf shot, NFM landing patch. But we'll we'll play around. We got a couple of pictures. We'll put up uh, for different banners. But listen, it's all good. That was. Uh, no, it looked like you're having a good time. And um, there you go. So there's the answer for the question. There, someone's asking what was going on. Well, a lot of mental coach questions. We've we've kind of covered that. Um, 
Um, was that the most? So it would be, let's see. Uh, let's take a couple more here. We got a lot. We can't do all of them, guys. We'll do a few more here. Uh, any sports besides golf? Actually, that was one of my original questions. You touched on it. You said you had to make a choice between golf and football. And that, I mean, it's so popular in the UK. Uh, football, golf's also popular, but what what position did you play? It sounds like you did play at a, at a reasonably high level or for a while. Yeah, I was I was a central midfielder, so I had like um, I had kind of a free role to to be more attackive. More, I was left footed, so obviously I had an advantage from most people. Most people in soccer are right right footed. I was left, um, which gave me more advantage. Also, with with the goal mentality of me being soccer players are single minded and they're selfish and you know but they but the team environment was just a great thing for me and I was always quite a leader. Um so when big teams started coming to me asking for contracts and signings then obviously I needed to make a decision of whether I was going to continue down the, the football route or go down the uh golf route. Nice. That's that's actually the exact same as Myself, of course, U.S. soccer uh, is not the same standard as as the rest of the world in 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 England per se. But I was at center, played attacking center midfield, and I'm left footed as well. I played through college, so I you know I, I played at a reasonable level over here. But then the dream died. It was a lot of fun, though. I, I had my best times growing up playing and, and traveling, a lot of tournaments, and um, a lot of fun. So uh, that's cool to. to it sounds like you were you were right there uh, making a decision on whether to continue forward. UK that was a tough loss in the final. I went to that game, the Euro uh, final. That was that was a special man to the to the brink penalties and and very intense and at home for uh, for England. Man, that was that was quite a game. I'm sure you watched it. No, no, I was very I was very very jealous of you being there. It was, a, it was a sick game, but I think they're in good shape for the for the World Cup, man, coming up here soon. Since the years are all off, it's sounds like it's going to be, you know, what's that next next uh, winter they moved it to from summer to winter, but it'll be next year. So that should be be pretty cool. All right, let's take take a couple couple more here, guys, and then we'll go ahead and do the giveaway for the 109. Uh, you said you don't really know gambling much at all in Vegas. Uh, do you, have you – there's some a lot of stuff in Vegas, right, a lot of golf – events there what's the best best spot in vegas that you golfed is there any anything uh there that you enjoy a lot i'm sure you've golfed there a fair amount yeah i used to go to lessons with butch Harmond, who was tied with his old coach and he uh um he sets me up at some good places around there like some sort of uh, um tpc scarts are out on the hills by like salt lake so there's some interesting places to, to, to practice there but gambling wise no like from like a family it just wasn't very you know into poker or, or gambling in any sports and i think in the uk it's not as it's not as uh big over in the uk as you know jeff you've been there but um i think you just got to get into it and and i can see the fascination with it but i've never done it right yeah it's it's fun you know there's all different levels and moderation of is of course the the best thing but it's uh yeah it's there's there's and golf's a great game to bet on right you can handicap people on their holes and strokes and do it like putting and fun stuff and i'm sure you know dave uh dave Dave likes to you know, mix it up a bit, and I'm sure he's. Uh, you've heard some prop bets and some some crazy stories that the game. You know, there's, there's a lot of that. So, um, but I'm not recommending you hop into poker for by any means. Uh, it's something like you said. You want to either be all in or 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 sit on the fringe and not not get in there. Uh, nutrition plan. Do you have a nutrition plan? Do you have a nutritionist? How important is diet? Are you working with someone, or do you just generally eat pretty healthy, or do you actually have like a set plan and sort of a, a routine? It's kind of hard on the road. It's more difficult when you 
it's more difficult on the road, yeah, to, 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 to do those things because you're in so many different states, different environments, different time zones. It's more difficult. And I'm not the type of person that enjoys cooking. But my best friend back home in the UK, he's, um, he's a nutritionist. So whenever I'm home, I'm much better. But when I'm away, I just try to stick to the basics, you know, try and get vegetables in there, try and get some protein in there, but try not to have too much um, sugary stuff. Makes sense. What about a hole in one? Do you have one? Uh, if so, how many? And how likely is it to hit a hole in one versus a Royal Flush in poker? I know Royal Flush is pretty pretty insane. Uh, it's probably similar. It's it's uh it's crazy. But I know people that aren't professionals that have a three or five or seven. And I know guys that are pros that have never hit a hole in one. So give me your hole in one. Um, I've had zero. I've had four. I think I think I didn't have any. And I think the first one was a professional. I was in Scotland. I won a bottle of champagne, and then my second one I won a, an Escalade. And then I think I had a couple of others, but nothing. I don't think I won anything for them. So yeah, I think I've had four, but some players don't have any. Like some people are forty-four years old and never had one in their life. So it's it's hard to come by. And you, where did you win an Escalade? That's pretty nice. That's a that's a nice in, in, in Abu Dhabi. Yeah, in Abu Dhabi. Wow, that's uh, that's got to be that's a cool feeling. So what? You, it was a it was just like a it was a tournament then, or it was a special event, or like was it actually during play, or was it a just like a a place where you like they were doing a giveaway like it was during the it was during a tournament and it was on a hole that you you generally couldn't get a hole in one for you know it was one of those like it was very hard to, to get a hole in one but i obviously just hit a great shot and they they obviously i won that prize so it was funny that's that's awesome man um uh, well, I got to ask because you know they're, we're, we're mainly it's mainly male it's a mainly dominant uh, poker and, and, and males but relationship wise just for any ladies out there I like to do this at that and I don't want to leave you know there could be some people waiting anxiously to know what is it are you married kids do you uh, girlfriend what, what's your what's your relationship status so we can just clear this up for everyone out there yeah I'm I'm single single as a Pringle so um, no I've had some great times in my life I've had some good relationships and. I try and enjoy my life as much as I can. So, um, you know, right now I'm uh, I'm on the market. Available. Okay, we'll just leave it. We'll leave it uh, there, and and let's take two more here. Favorite player of all time? Who's your Who's your hero on the golf course? Tiger Woods. He was always my hero. You know, he's just such a iconic person in my life and in my career that you know you just can't beat him. Really, um, he inspired me. Good choice. I mean, definitely. I mean, uh, tell me just. Yeah, okay. a, yeah, I got you. It's a little choppy, but I think I mean it's I can I can make out everything pretty clear. I think it's it might be your connection, but I'm in a spot that it could be me too. Uh, but no, it's working well. Tell me about when he won the Augusta after you know. I mean, is that is that like the craziest story of all time? Like, be honest. Had you written him off for winning a major again at that point? Because it'd been years. He'd gone through a lot. It's been you know mo- mental, emotional, physical. Like how where, how do you rank that win in the history of golf and 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 did you think he had that in him at that point? I, I think the one that Phil Mickelson had won um, when he was fifty was impressive, you know, um, because of, because of his age. But with Tiger winning, with all the stuff that had happened through the years, and then him leading up to that, I I would I wrote him off for a major, but I didn't write him off for a tournament. Um, so for him to have done that was yeah, right up there. And and what's your best performance in a major? Uh, you you know, there's four every year. Where's your best finish? I think I saw notes that you were leading after round one in, in a major. Is that is that right, or is uh, maybe I put that? Maybe I have my facts mixed up. But give me give me kind of your best uh, major run in 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 a story so far. Yeah, I, I led the 
open. I led the open as an amateur, and um, I finished eleventh in the open as well. So Europe, the you know the major over in the open in Europe, the that's probably my best bet to win a major right now. And and what do you think that is? Is that just like familiarity of the course, like your style plays better? Why do you think you've had more success there and are more likely to win that than say one of the other majors? I just think it's a sort. It's kind of a different type style of golf. You know, you don't have to be a perfect golf all the time. And it, it's you know you have to create shots, and it's windy, and the conditions aren't as aren't as easy as they are over here in the US. So you just have to create things, and I think it just suits my game more. Okay, that that uh, that makes perfect sense. I guess the links kind of golf. You were kind of touching on that, and that, that was something that I wasn't familiar with. I mean, I was actually there. I was holding the camcorder right behind Phelps where he hit that putt that was like 150 or 63 feet foot putt or something. I don't know if you, I'm sure you've seen that video uh, from the, from the tower, which is even crazier. There would happen to be a televised one. Cause not every hole was televised and you know, it hit and he hit that. Um, did you seen that? Have you seen that, that shot? Yeah. Yeah. I watched it quite a lot of times. Somebody. Yeah. That, that's uh, what's your longest putt. Do you know roughly? I mean, maybe it wasn't recorded, but like I'm sure playing links golf, You've hit some long putts, but first of all, you never putt that, right? You just never putt from there anyway, would you? Yeah, I would. I would probably putt from there because he was on the green. He was near enough on the green, wasn't he? So I wouldn't be far yeah, from putting it. That's true. That is true. I guess I just wonder if like that might have been, it was kind of like, you know, again, we were, it was like messing around there. It was, a, it was a charity event and maybe it was like, is that you hit a, have you ever hit a 50? Like what's your longest putt that you know of? Probably. Yeah. I don't know how far Michael's was. Was it? Hundred or hundred and twenty, you know. Mine's probably been sixty or seventy maximum. You know, that's uh, yeah, pretty crazy, right? That's I mean, that's, talk about luck, though, right? The guy he touches out someone for eight for eight gold medals. He he wins by a hundredth of a second, and then hits. You know, that's that's the kind of thing that's crazy, right? As like his hobby that he's gonna hit the longest putt in the history of golf hasn't golfed too long and, and, you know, doing that. So, but I mean, that, listen, that's where luck comes into play. There is, there is luck in life and, and uh, definitely some seem to have more than others, but you said you create your own luck and the more you practice, the more you put in time, the more it's going to, uh, it's going to work out. Well, let's do, we got this one nine ticket to give away. Let's uh, let's, I'm going to, normally I do a giveaway like counter, but with numbers and golf and whatever, let's just go here. We got 122, I think you might actually set the record, which is kind of crazy considering that you're not a, maybe it's a picture. Maybe it was the extra fun picture, but 122 comments. Give me a number between one and 122 right now. You just, just tell me, uh, tell me a number. 77. 77. Wow. Okay. So we're gonna have to go deep down. We're gonna, we're gonna go down here, guys. I am gonna do this live before we go. I'll count it off uh, as we go. I'm not gonna make you sit here and me count to 77, but we are gonna give someone a $109 ticket. I'm gonna count down to number 77 here and I'm gonna give them a $109 ticket. And I think we are going to, uh, uh, let's see. We're going to send a raid to my friend, Matt Staples. He's also a member of team party poker. And I guess Tom, we're going to tell people where can they follow you on Instagram? Cause I can't log on my thing right now. It says TL seven TL underscore 17. Is that your Instagram? Yeah. Underscore underscore TL seven. I think it is. 
TL7. There it is, guys. Well, listen, Tom Lewis, he's a professional golfer. He is uh, He's peaking. He's coming 30. He's on his way up to the top. I'm sure he'll win some majors. We're following you, tracking you. And try. Dave and I, you know, we do some fantasy golf, and we're always keeping an eye. I've gotten much more into golf now, and I follow it uh, a lot closer, and it is fun. And we definitely keep an eye on you and hope uh, hope you always are doing well. And it looks like you're in good form. So um, where, where can they watch you this week? It's Idaho. It's uh, it's it's What's the name of the tournament there? Um, the Idaho tournament, I actually don't even know, Jeff. I don't know. I have to post well, it. I don't know. It's in Idaho. There's probably not too many majors in Idaho this week. Well, that's where you can you can watch them. And again, give them a follow on Instagram. We'll put that in the show more on the YouTube video. This will go out on all the major podcast outlets. And Tom, I appreciate you very much, man. I'll uh, catch up with you soon. I hope back in Miami in the future we get a beer and, and uh, have a laugh or two. But I appreciate the time very much. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for this. Absolutely. So, all right, guys, we're going to give Matt the uh, raid. We're going to have some more big podcasts coming up very soon. This was a professional golfer. I've never gotten to speak on a podcast with a golf uh, pro. We got to learn some things. And uh, Tom is uh, definitely one of those guys. He's on, he's on his way. And you can see he's got some wins. He's got he's got what it takes. And I, I think a few majors up his sleeve coming up here. So I am uh, I'm going to. Uh, Ray, Tom, you can pop off here and I will, I'll, uh, I'm just going to close down the show and yeah, man, I'll, I'm going to keep an eye on you and all the best, bro. We'll catch up soon. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah. I'll catch you soon. Cheers. Have a good day. Cheers. You all too, right. man. All right, guys, that was Tom Lewis. So that's, that's all I got to say is golf and poker. They're so similar. There's so many parallels, like the, the, the way that they do the, the scoring with the days, you know, making cuts, making it through the prize pool, the payouts. I think there's just so much parallels. It's crazy to me. I really feel like it's a, it's the same thing as poker. And, and if you look at fantasy golf as well and how that works, it's, it's amazing. So we appreciate that. Marco in the building, a lot of people on Twitch. I see you tuning in. Appreciate that. There's some huge action coming up in party poker. The world poker tour is underway. The main event is on August 29th, the $5,300 tournament. You can get in for uh, $109 phase. If you bag a stack, you have to play the 530 on Sundays, and that is a uh, 20 seat guarantee into the main event. I won my seat that way. You can actually start in that phase process from $4 to get into 22 to get into 109. There's all kinds of events, small, medium, and high, big action online everywhere. We're going to be streaming from August 28th until September 14th each day. I'll have some more podcasts coming up uh, as well. And then actually, I'm just going to pop over here. And he said 77, right? That's where we're going. We're going to go in here and I'm going to count this off before we give the rate. So I go here and I, I could have done it the other way, but I felt like I, I was hoping he wasn't going to say 77, like 18. I thought he would say one through 18 or 36 or 72, but let me just count this out. One, two, three, four, five is Diego. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 is Biela Simon. 11, 12, 13, this gentleman. 14, 15, 16, 17 is Zep. 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. Man without honor is 22. Uh, 3, 4, 5, 6. 27, 28, 29 is Adders. 30 is VKLs. 31, 2, 3, 4. 35, 36, 37. 38, 39, 40 is Lou Moreno. 41, 42, 43, 44 is Rodrigo Luis. 5, 4, 6, 4, 7, 48, 49, 50. This is unconventional. I won't do this again. And especially when they say a low number, uh, 51, 2, 3, Manuel's 54, 5, 6, 7, 8, 49, 60 is Giovanni. What do you say? 77, right? 61, 62, 63, 64, 65, 67 is Jamie Weedle. 68, 69, 70 is Martin. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 is Ghost of M. Imagine Ghost of M. 
actually, I guess that's actually 75 is here because that was a comment. Six, seven, Jared. Jared is going to win. That's just what happens. He wins. And I don't think he's, he has won before. He's won a $22 ticket a while ago. Uh, and now he's got a 109 ticket. All right, that's it. I am going to host Mr. Matt Staples, send him a raid. Looks like he's firing the action. We'll pass that over to uh, Matt Staples. And guys, I hope you enjoyed that. That was a little different. Again, we want to mix it up and not just have on Poker Guest. So I hope you enjoyed that. I learned a, a bunch. And I am going to raid Matt Staples. And uh, next pod, I think we'll have one more this week. It's possibly two. And then we are going to be getting into the action the following week for, for the uh, WPT and some other big series. So I will go ahead and raid that and, and uh, appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for being here. That was awesome. Thanks, Tom. Hi, I'm Derek Stevens, owner and chief executive officer of Circus Sports, home of the world's largest sports book, and now the largest football contest guarantee in history. We've got $10 million on the line between our two contests. Circa Millions has $4 million in guarantees, including a million in quarterly payouts. The Circus Survivor has a $6 million guarantee. The one thing at Circus Sports, 100% payback, no rake. You enter in Vegas, play from anywhere. Visit CircusSports.com for more info. Must be 21 or older and in Nevada to legally enter. Circus Sports encourages responsible gaming. All rights reserved. Thanks for listening to this episode. It was brought to you in partnership with Party Poker. Go to PartyPoker.com to play tournaments, cash games, and improve your poker game. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to hear all of my future episodes.